Do you find yourself running out of time to accomplish your work? Are you spending time doing things that you're not that good at? There are effective ways to outsource these tasks so you can focus on your business. This is the Virtual Success Show. We bring the inside scoop on outsourcing success for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Malouf and Barbara Turley. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Virtual Success Show podcast, the show where we give you the inside tips on outsourcing success for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And as always, I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Matt Malouf. Matt, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm really good. Long week, good week, as always. Excellent. Oh, that's good. That's good. Hey, tell me something interesting that's happened to you this week. This week, uh, oh, look, a big lesson this week for me um, was refining processes. And I know we talk about this a lot on the show, but I've discovered that, you know, even when you have a great process, you can still refine it, evolve it as little problems happen along the way. So I've been doing a lot of that this week. Uh, big thing for me. How about you? What's been happening? I've got a little bit of a left field uh, quick story to share. So I was uh, at home this evening before we were coming into this recording and uh and my eight-year-old son says to me, uh, Daddy, what are you doing tonight? I said, oh, we're doing the podcast and recording. And he goes, Dad, is that the one where you teach people how to how to get other people to do work for you? And I said, yes. He said, can they do my homework? Oh, he's clever. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him he doesn't need homework. He's clever. And he said to me, um, I've, got, I've got the money to pay them as well. So I'm like, I was just blown away. This so he's eight, clever and savvy. Eight-year-old ready to leverage homework. I'm just like... He's an entrepreneur in the making. Love it. Yeah, that's a fa- fabulous story. That's much better than my story. <laughs> Look, really excited about today's show because uh, we have a very special guest who's going to talk to us about managing multiple types of virtual teams while also having a very high profile uh, job with a massive global company. So today we're talking to Matthew Barbie, who is the global head of growth and SEO at HubSpot, which is, he's also an award-winning blogger, an industry speaker, and a lecturer for the Digital Marketing Institute. So he knows a thing or two about this online world. Matthew, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. So look, just to kick off, I mean, one of the things I'm obviously really interested to know is, you know, you've got this full-time, full-on job with a massive company like HubSpot, a very exciting place to work. But you're also using, you know, effectively using virtual teams and virtual assistants, writers, etc., to help you manage multiple sort of side projects, including your own website, MatthewBarbie.com, um, and some side businesses you're involved with. So can you tell us a little bit about how you... How how effective how, how effective is it having virtual teams to do all that? Yeah, I think uh, I mean with myself, I, I manage. I, I'm always kind of like I've got a lot of different plates spinning, and um, having kind of a lot of side projects on the go, managing um, whether it's my blog or a few other smaller businesses. I literally don't think that it would be possible for me to do that alongside what I'm doing without having virtual teams um now i think for over the past say four or five years that's something that i very much learned the hard way trying to do far too much trying to in particular manage large groups of very different skill sets of people to to get tasks done and i think without having kind of people within virtual teams like if you try and do all of those skills by yourself 
you're either one going to just completely burn out, two do an absolutely terrible job of everything, uh, or three both of those. So uh, I think like having those virtual teams in place is pretty much essential for me to be able to do anything outside of my my current role anyway. Yeah, and so tell me about the beginnings of that. I mean, you started, you, you know, your your website, MatthewBarbie.com. You've been doing this for quite a long time. So tell me about the early days where it was, like you had your first few virtual team members, be they virtual assistants or whatever, and what were the challenges to get started? Yeah, I think the the first thing that I started realizing really was I, I used to do little bits of consulting. Um, I was looking to grow traffic through to my own personal website. And one of the big things that was kind of probably taking up a lot of my time when I was just trying to scale up the growth of my own site was content creation. And I would spend a hell of a lot of time on content creation. And one of the big things with with my site in particular was that I would give very, very detailed uh, advice and information. So I think the average size of a blog post on my site was around about 5,000 words. So I would produce smaller numbers of very large pieces of content. But what was happening is I was creating all of this content and spending so much of my time. I mean, I was literally not sleeping sometimes, just going through the night, creating content in any free hour that I had. And then when it came to the actual promotion side of things, I spent all this time creating the content and just didn't have any time for promoting it myself. Um, so I was finding all these hours I was spending were really becoming wasted. Now, I knew exactly how to promote the content. It was something that I've been doing for, for years now and would do for, for clients and uh, within kind of a lot of my own side projects. So the, the main challenge was just time, like it always is. So the first thing that I started doing is working with um, or attempting to work with some freelancers to just work on some outreach. So getting in touch with relevant blogs and uh, other industry influencers at the time to promote my content, get it in front of other people, drive traffic through to my site. And I had some interesting challenges when that first started out. A lot of people that I was working with, I wasn't really vetting them very well and was just trying to work with people based on cheapest possible price, which was another massive mistake. Um, And then eventually when I started kind of improving and refining the process for finding the right types of people um, and realizing that working with multiple people could also really help out what I was trying to do, I was starting to slowly and surely build out more kind of like rigid processes for working with people and actually getting some results. Uh, I mean, as a result of kind of just where it started out with my personal site and scaling up um, a lot of the content on there, I started realizing, hey, this is actually a really, really valuable kind of framework to use to build into some of the consulting gigs that I was working on as well. And slowly and surely, um, prior to my role at HubSpot, I was the head of digital at uh, at a big agency, marketing agency back in the UK. And we started using these virtual teams uh, to scale up our kind of processes and both internally and for, for clients. And 
we were working with some big public companies at the time and we were scaling virtual teams to help out with our own individual projects at the same time as well. So there was so many different uses and a lot of lessons learned along the way that came with it as well. You know what I love about that story actually is that, you know, the fact that you do say there were a lot of lessons along the way. And what we typically see happening um, with, you know, some clients that come to Virtual Angel Hub would say to us, oh, I've worked with VAs before, it's been a disaster. And they sort of just give up and walk away. But you made a commitment to making it work because you could see how this could work. And then all of a sudden you got exponential uh, growth and success from this, not just in your own blog, but in, in a consulting firm like that you were working with and working with big brands. So um, can you tell me a little bit about maybe where you went from, was there a moment where you decided this isn't really working, but I'm going to make it work? And what did you do? What was the pivotal thing that you changed? Yeah, I I, I remember it vividly. Um, I, what The problem that I was making was that I really wasn't tapping into the, the the major benefit of having and working with virtual teams. One of the big assets of working with a virtual team um, is the fact that you can build out teams of multiple people that have very, very specialized skill sets and use them on kind of small chunks of your projects to to build out a a very varied skill set of people that you can work with. And instead of taking that approach, I was thinking more about a traditional model. I was like, okay, right, I need to get someone who can promote the blog um, to industry influencers. I need someone who's going to do relationship building with some press contacts I have. I need someone who's going to be managing the social media, maybe some little design work. So I was going after just one person that I was expecting to be like a jack of all trades. And whilst sometimes those people exist and you can find them, the more things that one person is doing, the more one-to-one management they need. So what you'll end up finding that you're doing is instead of delegating out a wide variety of tasks to like a smaller level tasks to a wide variety of people, which a lot of people think, well, more people means more management. You're actually kind of having to do a lot more quality control because one of the things that I found to work much better was, okay, let's let's stop like putting all my eggs in one basket. Let's take someone who's highly specialized in one area. And in particular, this was around kind of building press contacts was the first thing that I did because that takes a hell of a lot of time and you need someone that uh, has experience in doing kind of that kind of relationship building, whether it's directly with press or not, that's a different matter. But then I can dedicate more of my time to just training them around this one specific skill. Then when they become proficient in there, I can bring in a couple more people and that person can manage the other people. So you're starting the kind of delegation process where you have virtual teams that are not only kind of being overseen by you, but they're being managed by other virtual members. And that's where it's almost kind of like teach a man to fish situation of spending a lot of time one-on-one creating almost like a manager level person within your virtual teams that then can delegate smaller tasks within there. And what I what I found worked really well for me to turn things around in the early days was just go right okay like right now I just need to take one small task 
and I need to dedicate some time up front to it. I need to make the expectations of what I want from the person who's going to be focused on this task very clear. They need to have written documentation of all of the processes, which took me a little bit of time, but that kind of thing only needs to be done once. Then I need to have regular check-ins with this person a lot at the, at the start of the project, and then that can peter out kind of to less regular check-ins as we move forward. But what I wanted to get to was prove that this process works for one small task. When I found that that started working and I started to get a ton of results, um, I realized actually now, now this is kind of running on semi-autopilot. I can start dedicating my time to doing the exact same thing for something else, which at the time was um, managing social media engagement and just publishing my content across all of my different social media sites, making sure that people were engaging with the content. And I started again, but using the exact same framework that I was using before. And in places, I was able to reuse some of my training material and and, and all of these kind of similar uh, themes. So eventually getting to the point where I had a, a larger but more varied skilled team that all had someone within the team that they could go to to actually ask for advice and ask for training and to be honest when it came from like a budget point of view they were still probably using um kind of working in the same kind of hours split among three people for example as i would have had a jack-of-all-trades person that was um working on themselves so maybe like i spent a small extra amount uh, on bringing a few extra people in, but it was way, way worth it because I was able to diagnose problems and fix them way quicker. Matthew, how, how long um, from that initial training to being able to move on to the next piece generally? Yeah, I, I think this, this question is a, is a question that I actually get asked quite a lot. Um, when it comes to speaking with, in particular, marketing agencies who seem to be using virtual teams more and more. Um, the reality is this, this varies depending on the, the actual skill set and the task that they're working on. But instead of thinking about this in a time frame, I, I tend to think about this on a more, I suppose, like uh, an understanding level. Uh, before I move on to the next task, I want to have spent, realistically, you want to have spent at least a month of solid, like intensive time with your, your virtual team to build out kind of like a solid understanding of expectations. Like what you would do if you were bringing in, um, an employee into your, into your business and you're taking them through all of their induction training, all of their uh, kind of like expectation management training, going through everything that they need to be doing as part of their daily job until they get to the point where they feel proficient in delivering what you want to do, but may still need like some check-ins and guidance here and there. When you get to the point where it's like, okay, we're past the just knowledge absorbing stage and we're getting to the point where we're having check-ins that are more focused around what are the results, what's going right, what's going wrong, do we need to pivot, do we need to change something, do you need a bit of one-to-one time on something else that can help you kind of perform in your role better. That's when I feel like I'm comfortable to say, okay, this person has a good 
ground knowledge and understands what I expect, now we can start moving to spending a larger amount of my time building out the next stage in the process. And a bonus that can come in with this is if the next task that you're doing and building out another team complements the prior task. So in the example of reaching out to the press and building relationships with um, influencers within the media, the next person you bring in is all focused around building out your social media presence, building your kind of like brand. They, they tie hand in hand. So what starts happening is the individual people that are responsible for managing these tasks then need to have regular check-ins with each other. How can they help each other? How can they learn from each other? And slowly and surely, you start to see this domino effect of all of the things that you're teaching one person being passed on by proxy to another member of your, your virtual team. And then people can start getting past the stage of just learning and actually start suggesting ways that things could be improved. You know, what I love about that, Matthew, is that although you had you said that you actually, you know, spent time recruiting people who were perhaps more, you know, more specialist in a specific thing, and yet you've invested so much time of your own time training them anyway in your process because you've actually designed the process the way you want things run. So you, yeah. although you delegate control, you actually maintain control because of that. Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, you're bringing someone in into a virtual team, and this 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 holds for whether it's a virtual team or you you bring someone in as a physical like uh, located member of staff in your office. People have different skill sets, and people may be really proficient in one area, but at the end of the day, you want them to do something that you're asking them. If you haven't outlined specifically what you're asking of them and how they can do that efficiently um, and also what your expectations are when they're finished kind of carrying out that task, then they're not going to be well equipped to do any kind of uh, job for you. So putting together and spending some time really like outlining exactly what you would do for this task um, into some kind of document and then spending some one-on-one -on -one time helps you, one, be able to actually arm your, your staff with what they need to do. And two, the other good thing that I found is I spend a large proportion of my time with virtual teams actually documenting the things that I need them to do. So I'll create full training documents, full process documents, and then spend one-to-one -one time once they've like walked through these documents. Now, the good thing about that is if like this happens with any kind of person that you end up working with, people move on or you, you need to work with someone else, the relationship didn't quite work out. The good thing that you have is you have all of these process documents. You have all of the training material so that all you need to do now is spend some one-on-one -on -one time helping that person understand those things. So you get some economies of scale here where the more that you've put in up front, the, the, the easier it becomes as you move forward and scale the team or scale up uh, the, the relationships of people that you're working with. Yeah. And that, that's, of course, making a commitment to that as well, to, to, to going this route and making it work, like I said before. Um, I'm interested to talk to you about, you know, content creation, obviously, is an area so many people are trying to do. And, you know, we're all doing it, you know, I'm not we're all doing it quite badly, really. You know, a lot of people are pumping out content in blogs, etc. And as you say, if you're not promoting it properly, it's it's sort of a bit of a waste of time. 
But I'm interested to talk to you about using, uh, I know you've got a lot of uh, writers that you, your bloggers, writers, etc., that do various work for you. How do you manage all of those? Or do you have like a core project manager, virtual person who manages all of them for you, bringing in all the content and, and you know, the process around that? Yeah, the, the content side of things is is actually the area where I find that having a virtual team is of most value to me. And I would say is the area where I most frequently use virtual teams. Um, as you said, quite rightly, there is a lot of content out there and a lot of people aren't doing it very well. I mean, I, I saw a statistic the other day that there's roughly 2.5 million blog posts published online every single day. And I'm pretty sure that the large majority of those blog posts are terrible. So, like, one of the things that people end up doing and often make a mistake with, in my opinion, with content is they say, right, okay, I've got some ideas about some content that we create, um, but my goal is I want to drive, say, for example, most common one, drive traffic to those um, pieces of content from the search engine. So... I'm just going to go do a ton of keyword research. I'm going to find a load of keywords that people are searching for. And then I'm just going to get some writer to produce this content for me. So let's say they're in the, the fashion industry, for example, or the health industry. They just go to a one-fits-all copywriter that's going to pretty much just take their idea, create a piece of content, and then the relationship finishes. One of the areas that I've used virtual teams the most in the past is instead of just doing this is try and think about one, how you can work with writers that can add a lot more value than just creating words for you. Um, and two, how you can actually work with people when you're in the content creation process that can actually give an insight into what your audience wants, have background experience in the industry before, uh, can really do a lot more than just pretty much follow your, your orders from a content point of view. So coming back to the first point where I was talking about writers that can do more than just create words for you, the big value that I find with working with um, industry specialist bloggers and writers, and I'll come into that process in, in a bit, mm -hmm. uh, but is that not only can they create content for you, but they have existing networks where they can work on the promotion side of things as well. So I'll give you a scenario. In a, in a project of mine that, that I run, we, we work with a lot of fashion writers um, to, to produce content for our fashion e-commerce store. And one of the, the first kind of port of calls that I focus on is not just, oh, how good a writer is this person? The first thing I'll be looking at is, right, I'm going to go to every publication online where I want our brand to appear. I'm going to find all the top blogs where I would love to have our brand mentioned online. And then I go and find who's writing for these, these publications and these blogs. I'll get a big long list of all these individual writers. And then I'll go, right, how big are their networks? I'll find their Twitter accounts. I'll find their Pinterest accounts, their Instagram and all, any other social network that's relevant. And I'll, I'll, start drilling down on the number of followers they have, how engaged their following is. And then I'll look at maybe if they publish their email subscribers of their blog. So I can get a really well-rounded view of their overall network. And then I'll be saying, okay, right, this person day by day 
one of the big focuses for them is writing fashion content, the kind of content that I want to be creating on my site. Number two, this person has a huge network that if they did create content for us, they could go through and start pushing it through to their social following. We could tap in and do some co-promotions on their blog with their email subscribers because we'll have an existing relationship with them. And they can actually give me really good advice on it from experience they've had on what actually works for the type of audience that we're targeting. So once... Once I kind of started trialing out this kind of approach the, the first time a, a number of years ago, I started building out large teams uh, of writers and I was getting great results. And I had like this ongoing growth engine for promoting the content as well as creating it. Um, the processes became really lean and everything was working really well. And then I started to realize the more I scaled things up, the more my email inbox was getting absolutely insane. It was like, right, we need to try and use better project management tools to manage this. So we use things like Trello, Basecamp, Asana, all of these different tools. And we're like, well, still, like a lot of my time is being spent taking in invoices from these writers, managing what day they're going to publish stuff, just taking their content and uploading it into the CMS. And it's like, Okay, so I have all of these great writers at my disposal, but it's taking me like 10 hours a week of my time, which I don't really have, to just do all the admin that comes in with it. So that's where I would be like, right, okay, I need someone to be bolted into this virtual team that's like a writer liaison. So we'll have someone who we would send through the editorial calendar. They would manage any suggestions coming in from the writers, what each writer was working on, how much they were charging us, making sure we stuck within budget because when you're in a rush and you're just signing off tons and tons of invoices, very quickly you realize you've spent three times your monthly budget um, and now you've got no budget for the next two months, which is not the best position to be in yeah. when you're trying to run a business. Yeah. So all of those side of things, we would we would plant someone within the middle of those teams to just scale up this process. And yeah, it takes a bit of time and uh, of investment. And if you think that you're just going to bring someone in, not tell them how to do anything, and they're just going to manage everything, then you're in for a very uh, big surprise. But once this gets going, you've pretty much built out a whole virtual team that's not just a few freelance writers. You've got a, a content marketing team. Yeah, a machine. It absolutely and. The thing that I found is I, I started doing this like for a few smaller projects, um, especially when we're working on the consultative level and we're bringing in a lot of clients uh, within the tech industry at the time. This was about three or four years ago, I would say. And I built out one of my first kind of teams like this and we had some really solid tech writers and we were opening up a lot of um, relationships with publications who would share our content as well and the the audiences of all of these kind of writers combined way way out uh, outperformed our brand following so what I then realized is okay well why don't we go after some more clients within this industry and we can just pretty much plan this exact same content team that we know is proven to work for delivering results for businesses similar to this and scale up campaigns around it. 
And we started doing this and the results we were getting were incredible. The, the amount of time we were spending at the start of campaigns setting these things up was reduced to almost like a few hours. It was just taking this model and planting it onto another project. And slowly and surely what I started to realize is that it added a lot of value to just take and build these freelance kind of like content teams with a, with a manager in the middle of them for as many industries as ours going to be working in as possible and growing out this list of people so that whenever I was working with new businesses and uh, new projects, I'd be able to just go, okay, right, this team is going to be the best suited for this particular project and I just plant them into the middle of it. And then if there were any other areas around there that I needed to boost things out, I could go and uh, build out some more people. But I had my core kind of engine working in the middle of it all. That's absolutely super. I mean, it's, you know, it's another area. I've been thinking about this content area as well and how to use virtual teams for this and, you know, and even how to bring virtual assistants in, into it to manage some of the writers and some of the processes around that. So fantastic insight there into how you can really get exponential growth there. Yeah, I think it's one of those where at the, at the start when you're building out these kind of teams, it can sometimes be a bit of a painful process, but it's well worth spending that time to get the right people in, spending some time training and working with them, managing their expectations, because not only are they going to do a better job for you, but you're actually going to build longer lasting relationships with these people. And you're not just treating them on like a transactional level. You can go through and start say they'll, they'll be coming to you with ideas. You can say, okay, look, we've got this other project. They'll be like, absolutely. I loved working with you before. Let's carry on and keep working on this. You're probably going to end up getting better rates from people like that and, and so on and so on. Um, Matthew, I've got a question um, around how do you, what's the criteria uh, for yourself in, in choosing whether this is going to be a project based role uh, on a project-to-project basis versus a uh, someone that you bring in in a specific role that you may have on a retainer or uh, like, a, like a staff member? What's the criteria for you de- deciding between the two? Typically, I would say the people that I would have that would be more on a retained level would be people that are managing the, and ensuring the, the quality of the processes are maintained. So... A typical person in the example that I'd given just previously would be the person who's managing like the content creator liaison. That's like a retainer level person that can not just do this for one project. If I've got multiple projects on the go, this person can be managing multiple ones of those. And the, the the more different people that they're working with, the better they're getting at their job anyway. So they're the kind of people that I'm like, I need these people to really be sticking with me because they are absolutely critical to ensuring that I'm getting the most out of the the writers that I'm working with. On the more project-based things, I would say the typical differentiator and skill set would be that they have some sector or audience-specific knowledge that's really hyper-relevant to the project that I'm working with. So in the example of... Uh, the fashion writers, they have a deep ingrained knowledge of the fashion industry. They understand what audiences like. They understand what content works within the industry. They're the types of people where I say, I need you on my project team. And here's an intro to um, the 
the person that's going to be actually managing all of the process in here who's on like a retainer level. And they can even be kind of managing the, the training aspect after a, after a period of time as well. Obviously, with your, your guidance and touching in at points. Um, but that would be my main differentiator. I would say the project side of things, they offer very specific tangible value within the environment of the project that you're working on. But when taken out of that project, maybe their value decreases. Whereas the, the more retained level person, the, the more projects that you bring them into and out of, probably their value increases. Excellent. Great distinction. I like that. And, and you mentioned earlier too about, um, you know, um, focusing in on selecting the right people. Um, can you run us through um, some of the key selection uh, processes or criteria that are essential for you choosing people to join your team? Yeah, I, I think so. I'd break this up into two parts. The the first part will be the the project specific skills. So, are do they have existing skills to be able to perform the tasks that I need them to perform? Do they have a clear understanding of what I want them to do, or are are they able to learn at a relatively quick pace what I need them to do? So, I, I would say that's more just kind of the if someone's going to be doing press liaison, have they got good uh, written English skills? Do they use um, email quite a lot? Have they done any previous experience with like blogger outreach in the past? Have they done anything on a PR level? Those are the kind of things that I would say are the, the nice to haves. Now, on the other side are what I would class like the absolute deal breakers. I don't care how good someone is at doing something. If they have bad communication, they just cannot be in my team. I would say of anything, the communication and uh, skills and being actually motivated are the most important things. I've worked with some really great people, in particular some of the fantastic writers I've worked with. But if I have a piece of editorial that needs to go out in 10 days – and they don't get in touch with me for three weeks, they're absolutely useless to me. So that is just so important. The, the other bit of advice that I would probably give when it comes to the, the skill sets you're looking for, don't try and find kind of like a silver bullet. If someone isn't the complete finished, polished person that you want them to be, to, that's going to just you say go tomorrow and they just start going at things, um, don't worry. It's going to be very difficult to find that, let alone in a virtual team anyway. Um, what you need to be thinking about is, is this person actually interested in what you're going to be asking them to do? Do they have the basic core competencies? And if you spent an allocation of time with them to train them around this, do you genuinely believe that they will, one, take the training seriously, and two, come back to you and um, dedicate their own time to actually learning what you need them to learn. I think if you can if you can go with someone that's willing to learn, has good communication, and has some basic core competencies, no matter what, you'll be able to get them to where you need them to be. Um, I don't think I've ever worked with anyone um, on a virtual team that I've built out uh, that has actually been the finished product 
before I've even started briefing them in on the things I need them to develop their skill set in more. You know, Matthew, I'm really glad you said that because uh, what, in my experience of, you know, placing and hiring VAs at Virtual Angel Hub now, one of the things I've noticed as well is we, we've often had some amazing VAs come in for interview and with amazing skills and et cetera. And they don't always turn out to be the best hires, actually, for us. We, we have found that some of the best hires that we've had and the most successful VAs are actually those that maybe didn't have all the skills, but this, they had the smarts, the enthusiasm, the willingness to learn and the interest in what we were doing. And those are the ones that work out the best for us as well, because they're very coachable. Definitely. Mm. And that's, that's something that's so undervalued. And I think a lot of time people have a, a bad perception around uh, virtual teams because they don't really understand the value of them. Like a lot of people, I think you mentioned this previously, Barbara, where you said a lot of people say, oh, I worked with a, with a VA before and it just didn't work out. Nine times out of 10, it's you that's the problem and not the VA. The, the problem is that people come in and they try to work with uh, virtual teams in a way that is more as if they've just hired a digital agency or consultancy to go and implement a task to them, as opposed to they're bringing in a new employee into their business. Like, if you hired someone on the first day of them coming into your business, you wouldn't be saying to them, right, where are we at? What targets have you hit? How are you going to do this by kind of the next week that we've already started working? I've started paying you, so I want to see results. You, and, and if you do do that, then I think managing a virtual team is the least of your worries. So the... The thing that you need to be thinking about here is to always treat people as employees. People don't just get told something once and then that's ingrained into their memory. They learn it and all of a sudden they're superstars at whatever you've just told them. You need to train people. These are human beings. Like If someone's motivated and they actually want to listen to what you say and they'll come back to you, they'll learn, they'll ask questions, even questions that they deem to be stupid questions – if people are coming back to me and asking me that, that's like the most comforting thing ever. The worst situations for me is when I spent loads of time on all of this training. I've started coaching someone through and I get to the end of a session and I say, right, what questions do you have for me? And they're like, no, that, that was all pretty clear. Because for me, that's them just either one, being too afraid to ask a stupid question, which is just going to cost both of us time and money. Two, it's actually that they're not kind of engaged here. They're not listening. They're, they're not that passionate about what they're doing. So being able to suss that out in the early stages of when you're speaking to someone, whether they're actually passionate, they're listening to what you're saying, and above all else, they're asking questions. That's the most valuable thing that you can ever do. And what you can also ensure is that you're managing people from a skill set point of view well by breaking everything that they're doing into the smallest task possible. Like what I was saying near the start of our conversation, instead of bringing a jack of all trades that has to do lots of different things really well, give one person one task to begin with that they have to focus all their time on doing particularly well. If they can dedicate their time and get their head down and do that one task really well, the likelihood is that they can learn other things as you go on. So, Starting out small and building up like you should be doing with any employee um, is definitely the best approach and it's 
and it's amplified so much more when you're working with a virtual team in particular. Barbara, I don't know about you, but I am jumping up and down with excitement with what Matthew just said. That is... Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, I wish I'd had that at the beginning of the show. I'm going to make sure that everybody listens to the whole show just to get to that bit, because it's so important, that advice you've just given everyone. Absolutely. And just to reiterate, you know, we're dealing with people, regardless of where they are geographically, regardless of whether they're sitting in the same room as you or on the other side of the uh, the world, talking through a computer, they're people. We're dealing with people. And, you know, Everything that Matthew said is just spectacular. I, I'm, 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 I'm lost I mean, for know, words. I really I mean, am. Matt knows this. I mean, Matthew, I'll just share this little story with you. But we actually do get, you know, the odd client. It doesn't happen as much anymore because we're training clients a lot better these days to be in all of this stuff. But we actually have had clients send in complaints on day two of working with VA, you know, and the most ridiculous complaints ever, you know, and like that whole thing of, almost like they have hired a digital agency and that's what they're expecting from from a VA, you know, even though, as you know, we do extensive training programs and everything at Virtual Angel Hub, but uh, still pe- people struggle in this area a lot. So this advice is absolutely brilliant. And your content uh, virtual team strategy earlier, I was taking furious notes there. I was thinking I could use that one a million times over. Fantastic advice. I could talk to you all days about this whole topic. So uh, Matt, have you any more questions? I've got yeah, I've got one la- last question. Yeah. Um, Matthew, knowing what you now know, having worked with virtual teams for for quite some time, if you were starting out from scratch, what would you what would be the three keys that uh, three key pieces of information you'd give to anybody starting out with a virtual team for the first time? Yeah, I think the the first thing I would say is to start off small. Um, get one thing done really well, as opposed to trying to solve all of your problems immediately. Um, if, if you had a problem before you started working on a virtual team, that, that problem's still going to be there in kind of the next few weeks time. Um, if, if you try and overload someone with things to do or just get them to focus on one thing at a time anyway. So start small. Prove the process to work out and then work your way up. The second thing, and this ties in really into um, the, the selection criteria, make sure that you're working and sourcing people based on if they're a right fit for you as much as the task. So do they understand your expectations from a communication point of view? Do they understand that um, you need to... Do they understand why you expect certain things of you? And are they going to be actually passionate about what they're doing? Because if someone's doing something and they're not at least a little bit passionate about it, they're not going to be motivated to go above and beyond. And then the third thing, which kind of encapsulates the the, the root cause of why most virtual teams go wrong, is like what we were just saying before, treat people like people. These You wouldn't bring in someone for a performance review on their second day of work. That would probably result in a lawsuit, never mind you actually having to get rid of that member of staff. Um, So when you're working with virtual teams, be realistic. These people are starting a task from fresh. 
They're working with you when they've never worked with you before. This is a new employee and a part of your business. Treat them with respect. Actually keep them motivated and be realistic. If you couldn't solve the problem in a day, then why should you expect your virtual team to be able to solve that in a day? So I think that's kind of my, my three points that I would, I would say are the most important parts. Absolute words of wisdom. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you so much, Matthew, for your time. Lots of, of tips and great advice in there. I've even been taking a few myself. So, um, look, as always, everyone, you know, share the show. Make sure that you um, give us some comments below. Uh, tell us what you think of the show. And also remember to join us on our Facebook group. We've got the Virtual Success Facebook group where you can continue the conversation and where we share tips uh, and quotes from people that we have on the show. So you can get all the tips there as well. So until next week, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Matt, for joining me again. Thank you, Barbara. And thanks, Matthew. It's been my pleasure. See you soon. Thank you for listening to The Virtual Success Show. If you found this show helpful, take a moment to share it with a friend so that we can all grow together. Find out more about the inside scoop on outsourcing success by going to our website, virtualsuccessshow.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.